welcome to another Round the Rotary uh, podcast with me, your host, J.P. Warren. And uh, in the studio uh, with us today, we have a, uh, a buddy of mine, Roy uh, Strawn, who is deemed himself as a sales guy, uh, if you will, or an executive sales uh, salesperson for uh, SitePro. And uh, this is uh, the second time we're recording this. Uh, the first time there's either technical difficulties or or we didn't highlight all the points that we kind of want to highlight on. So, and the fun thing about this right now, we're recording this on uh, Monday, February eighth, uh, and uh, we're actually we just opened up Clubhouse, and this is the first time I've done this. It's so we're doing a live Clubhouse right now, kind of doing a little a couple minutes before, right? I think, I think it's going to be good. We got a couple people on right now. We got Brandon, Kevin, and uh, Trey on. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where we just kind of want to try something new with this with this new app and this new uh, clubhouse. And uh, so people can kind of get the live recording, you know, unfiltered, uncut through clubhouse if they want to. Or if not, uh, if, they, if they don't have the uh, opportunity to join us on clubhouse, they can always listen to it when it gets released. Yeah. So, so for those of you who don't know what clubhouse is. Go ahead. Uh, I, I mean, I'll probably butcher this all, to all but, day long. I don't even know what it is. So you tell me. I'm kind of looking at it like a um, – think about it as a – kind of like a town hall slash um, maybe conference call of various subjects and topics from different industry leaders and uh, people of interest from, from all over. I actually sat in on one the other day with Ashton Kutcher and some, some other folks. It was pretty cool. Really? Um, I listened for a while, but there were there were a lot – I mean, obviously it's Ashton Kutcher, so there were a lot of people on there. Uh, but it's been pretty cool. We've, this is what, like our third one. I've been on three or four, I think. What clubhouses? Yeah, yeah. No, and the, and the thing about it, what I, what I, I like about it, and I don't like. I, I do like the possibility and kind of uh, the what it, uh, the potential what it can do. But I kind of wish there was more like. You know, this morning, I, like I was in the car, I almost opened up a clubhouse for like you know Houston morning commute. You know what I mean? But I was like, oh man, I don't know. Like I'm kind of, I'm still right. kind of hesitant about that because I'm not sure. Number one, a what we're going to talk about. B who's jumping on and and what kind of conversation we're getting into. So I do like the whole leadership type of things and all that stuff. But at the same time, I'm kind of looking for more of a, a, a just shooting the shit, just kind of like getting around uh, around the table and just kind of hearing, you know, just whatever. It doesn't have to be like executive leaders of. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? The, you know, the scuttle, I think, is something that we're totally missing. You know, with the COVID and everything, we used to have all these little outlets for industry scuttle and just shooting what do you the mean? bull. And, you know, uh, well, like the, 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 you know, the break room chats and the, 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 you know, over lunch or bumping into people at this event or that yep. event or happy hours or, and, you know, some of us are fortunate. We still get to have some happy hours and do some other cool things, but, um, you know, having that human interaction of just, you know, um, getting to hear about some documentary somebody watched on Netflix, like, you know, or yeah, and, that, and those, and those type of conversations to me, uh, that's actually really getting to know the person. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like, oh, what's your stance on leadership and and managing, uh, you know, this n- number of people. It's it, to me, it's like you get to know the person when you find out, you know, exactly like, you know, what type of doc. You know, some people might really like, you know, this type of documentary, true crime or horror right. or whatever it is, and that that's when you get to know kind of like the the interest of the person. Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, so true crime. It's kind of funny you brought that up. A, a friend of mine's wife is this super sweet. She's a nurse, a uh, very nice lady, very good looking. Uh, she's a mother. But basically, if it's got murder, blood, 
uh, incest, theft. I mean, basically, all, all the, the, dark... the worse the story is, the more she's just like, oh, my gosh, I have to have But this. I get that, though. I mean, that's to, I understand that, though. Oh, my gosh. I And she, she'll tell me about, you know, documentaries or different things that she's watched, and I'm just like, I, I'm going to have to go watch, like, the other guys or something now just to, like, get set so I can go to bed. Like, it, this is... What shows are like that where you watch them, they're so like disturbed, like, okay, well, I need to watch something else to kind of clear my mental palate before I actually... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's kind of funny, serious topic, but yesterday morning, my wife and I were drinking coffee. The kids were still passed out Sunday morning. And uh, she's like, well, what do you want to watch? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, put on some YouTube or something. You know, she's like, well, let's, let's pick something we could both watch. And okay. I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's the remote. Um I'll be over here drinking my coffee. You know it works too. <laughs> yeah. So she puts on Hitler's Holocaust. Okay. And it's like a documentary about the Holocaust. I'm like, babe, it's Sunday morning. Like there's birds chirping outside. It's a bright bluebird day. I'm like, you know, this this is great stuff here. This is, you know, very serious. We need to learn about this. But can we not watch Can we some- not watch Hitler's Holocaust? Yes. Which like, sounds like a musical, first off. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Second off, like, look, let's 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 approach this day with a little more positivity yes. besides the genocide of millions and millions of people. But like I love history, and so I look down and it's been like two hours, and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. Next, like what let's put on some I don't know. So luckily my seven year old wakes up and comes in and she's like Dad, can I watch some cartoons? I'm like, Yes, please put on some Put anything on besides World War Two, yes. Hitler Holocaust. Um, well, I, I, let's get this kicked off, man. Um, before we begin, I got to say that Round the Rotary uh, podcast is uh, brought to you by Capital Petroleum Consultants, CPC specialized in project engineering and well site supervision in all disciplines of the oil and gas industry. Contact us through www.capitalpetroleumconsultants.com to see what CPC can do for you today. And uh, and that's it. That's the uh, that's the plug right there. And uh, I'm kind of excited about this. Again, we're doing this live on Clubhouse, and I'm pretty pumped. And also, we have something scheduled coming up on Wednesday. Um, right. Uh, for those listening on Clubhouse now, and I, I actually, I think I kind of want to do more of these. So if you miss Wednesdays, I think it's going to be a weekly thing. So pretty much, we're going to be going over <clears throat> how Terminators from the Terminator movie franchise, the documentary, right. the documentary uh, series. Hashtag Skynet. Hashtag Skynet is uh, Terminators were run by renewable energies, All renewable way. power packs. That's right. And the resistance was run by oil and gas and fossil fuels. That's right. So it's going to be a satire, kind of bullshit conversation, <laughs> but it's going to be fun. You it's going to be mean? epic. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's you're not going to run the narrative by, you know, discussing, you know, facts and all the petroleum products are in this and that. It's going to be, it's just going to be a fun sitting around, just like right. banter, off the cuff, off the wall conversation. I'm looking forward to that. I think we can get into every other movie, you know, whether it's Mad Max or whether it's any other 90s or 80s action movie. Yes. So I think it's going to be a good time. Waterworld's sure to make an appearance. So, water, yes. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like this, this type of like group, like thinking oh, yeah. it right it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a good time that's right so hey why don't you get us kicked off man why don't you give us a little brief background about yourself and how you kind of got in the oil field and uh, let's let's talk about kind of what you've been doing lately this this um these new ways you're kind of getting in front of people this guerrilla marketing thing and just kind of we'll go from there yeah man so uh i'm a, I'm a hill country guy I originally grew up in uh, outside of austin um between Marble Falls and Austin, a little town called Spicewood. Um, oh, we know Spicewood. Yeah, so good, good place, great, you know, God's country. Uh, went po- to Pooties. Yeah, that's right, Pooties, Huge Willie's Golf Pooties. Course. Um, 
you know, all the fun stuff. Uh, Willie's nine hole is, uh, it's a goat pasture, but I, I will tell you, you'll have more fun out there than any, any I'll golf bet, course you'll go to. I'll bet so. And so, you'll see stuff that you probably will never see on any other golf course. I dig that. But, uh, I went to Lake Travis. All right. Um, I, uh, I guess I, you know, all throughout life, you kind of, you have these little moments through life where you kind of be like, Oh, you know, this is, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So I've got it figured out. Yeah. So, uh, in high school, I was real active in FFA and had one of those moments. And then, um, shortly thereafter, uh, I went to college for a little while. Uh, wasn't for me. Wasn't real great at it. Did you want to say with the FFA, kind of, uh, the background, of uh, the ag background, the ag background, um, you know, not really, uh, you know, I was, you know, growing up in Texas and, and running around South Texas all the time, you know, very, very predisposed to, um, uh, you know, the whole agricultural right. scene and everything. Right. And then I showed cattle, sheep and goats all through school. Okay. Uh, the thing that really kind of got me was uh, the leadership uh, pieces and then the, um, you know, the camaraderie of that. Yeah. I mean, you're meeting kids from all over the state. And then, you know, when I went to, so... I went to Blinn for a couple of years trying to get into A&M. Um, I'm a dreamer and uh, not a great student. And so anyway, but the cool thing was when I went to College Station, you know, I bumped into people that I had seen at, you know, Area 7 conventions and district meetings and state conventions. And, you know, so they all knew me. It was a good yeah, network. Absolutely. You got that. Okay. So anyway, um, parents said, hey, look, we're done paying for this because you're not taking it serious. So if you want to if you want to keep going, you're on your own. And uh so I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm out. And yeah. uh, so, so I mean, I mean, that's a tough conversation to have as like an, a, an adult kid. You're like, oh, yeah. You're like, wait, hey, we're done paying for it. It's like, no, what, do you, what can we, no, it's, it's one of those, t- it's like, yeah, okay. I, yeah. And, and you milk it as long as you can. Yeah. And I mean, I wanted to go. So I was going to go, I was going to major in construction science. I grew up in Austin. Right. So, you know, pretty much since forever now, um, you know, late 90s, I guess, Austin has been in this huge construction boom of, you know, custom homes and, you know, even on the commercial side. And so, um, oh, the landscape downtown Austin has just completely changed the last oh, yeah. five years. Um, I mean, it, it's insane, but you know, so I, that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to go back home and build custom homes. And so I grew up, my dad ran a business, um, and did, um, you know, lots of different types of tractor work. So, you know, dirt work, excavation, land clearing, uh, construction site work, loan out, you know, so loan out. Kind of yeah. And you so I wanted to own my own business. And so all this time growing up in Austin, you either had, you know, kind of three different types of people. You had all the guys that had retired yep. and moved to the Lakeway area or, you know, greater Austin area. Goodies at two in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, lived on the Hills course in Lakeway and, that was what they did. Or the other one where you had this huge entrepreneur group in Austin. And then um, coming in the late 90s, early 2000s, you had the, you know, essentially the the Silicon Valley of Texas, yeah. you know, explode. I mean, the dot Dell. com. There was right. Dell yeah. There. So you had Dell and you had tons of these startups and these huge database companies and Oracle had a big office. And it's still kind of like that, though. Austin absolutely. still has that spirit. I mean, you got, you know, Ellen. Elon moved moved there, Joe Rogan. You have all these other software companies that have started right. there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it still kind of has that, it fosters that entrepreneurial spirit. So I moved back to Austin and was like, hey, you know, I've already been doing this. Um, you know, I grew up running a tractor when I was in high school. If I wasn't going to school or, or, you know, doing whatever, then I was, you know, doing my own thing. And um, so I had some guys that I did a bunch of work for. And so I was like, you know what, I can just move back to back home and, and, and make some money and figure it out from there. So that's what I did. And I moved back to, that was in, I guess, uh, 
uh, late, like 07, early 08. Okay. And um, I'm a big outdoors guy. So if, you know, typically if I'm not working, it's usually, I'm usually outside hunting, fishing, doing something. Okay. Right. And uh, so when I, when I got back to Austin, I, um, a Dick Sporting Goods actually opened the first one in Austin. Opened uh, the in, gallery B Cave. In, in B Cave. Yep. And uh, so I went to work there running the, the hunting and fishing area. And then to kind of supplement, I don't know if you remember, but diesel was like, 575 a gallon then and okay. i drove a one-ton diesel um and pretty penny to... i would have to swipe my card twice to pay for diesel uh so you'd have back to pick... then they had those like 60 dollar limits so you have to pick up like extra shifts to to fill your yeah truck so up. i was running a tractor and doing construction work and then working at dicks in the meantime and so and then when i could i'd you know it's hunting or fishing and so um anyway long story short an old family friend of mine actually um uh, that I, he was my wife's brother's friend and, uh, we rode down to a bachelor party yeah. together, actually my, my brother-in-law and, uh, down to the river in, in New Braunfels. And he had some stuff in his truck. He said, you can ride with me, but you know, I might, might have to run work, uh, but I'll be right back. So, I mean, I'll be able to take you down there. And so you didn't know what he did. I had no idea. Okay. Uh, he was Marine recon. Uh, I did hear, I'm a long time listener. Uh, I did hear one of your guys actually say one time that, uh, he's a former Marine. And I was like, Ooh, former Marine. Yeah. And you never say that. Uh, they're, they're Marine till the day they die. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so a uh, really nice guy's name was John Watwitz. Okay. Uh, you know, typical name that everybody would butcher. Uh, and anyway, really nice guy. So luck would have it. I left some stuff in his truck on the trip. Came back and um, it's a very standard move to get a job, especially yes. right now. For those listening right now, to try to try to get a job, leave leave something behind so you have to meet up with that person. That's after. right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know the Yeti cup with your branding on it. Oh yeah, great idea. Yeah. Um, it's it's like, it's like I equate it to like leaving an earring. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oops, Not my. I'm sorry. No, yeah. Exactly. Oops. I just hey. Yeah. Yeah. I get um, it. So anyway, hooked back up with him. Ended up being right around Christmas, um, and so he said. He was telling me about how work was going and everything. It was great. He worked for a little company called Welltronics. Okay. And so those of you who don't know, Welltronics actually invented a tool called the um, E-Drift, which ended up being the E-Totco. Okay. And so that was the electronic wireline tool for measuring you know, well inclination. Okay. And old technology now, um, really cool tool, used some cool stuff. Well, they sold it to NOV and then developed this tool that I ended up going to work for. So they... They said they were going to need some people after the first of the year, and and um, I left, and I was like, man, that sounds really cool, right? So the conversation started with uh, with brother-in-law, brother-in-law's friend? Yeah, brother-in-law's friend. So the conversation started kind of when you were riding in the batch party with him, and then when you left something there, you just kind of, hey, what do you do? That's when the kind of natural, organic, I guess, uh, conversation started about what he did in the oil and gas industry. Right. And that's kind of what... Uh, that's kind of what led you to have a conversation with him. And he said, yeah, he basically said, uh, you know, we're going to be looking for some guys. And so I sat on it for a couple of days and just thought, you know, Hey, um, I'm going to, I mean, it sounds like fun. Yeah. I mean, what am I doing right now? And so I called him and said, Hey, you think, you know, I might kind of fit that role. And he said, uh, yeah, I think so. Do you have a resume? And I didn't really have a resume. Yeah. So I had to sit down and build one. And uh, so I built one, and then I went over to Cedar Park and met. So the office was in Cedar Park, shop and everything. That's where we built the tools, ran the ops, the whole nine yards. And so, I mean, it was a very, very small shop right now. And so we had, I don't know, maybe like six of us at the time. 
And so anyway, I met with the owner, a guy named Dave Close, and an uh, English guy, uh, real funny. So anyway, yep. left, and um, he's like, yeah, hey, you'll, you know, let's do this. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you this. So this was in 2009, early, early 2009. Okay. So the only rig count at the time was in East Texas and West Louisiana. Okay. I mean, there was some stuff working in West Texas and South Texas. So Eagle Fur like, at this time really wasn't blowing again. No, there was okay. no... I mean, like the Eagle Ford's been there, but like the Eagle Ford, like we all know, up, yeah. was, was, was 11, non-existent. 12, yeah. Yeah. Non-existent. And so um, there were a few rigs standing upright, but nothing really. Okay. And so um, anyway, so I go to work for him um, making, if I told people now what I was making then, I mean, it was, I mean, I, it was nothing. Okay. And um, No, I get that. I remember when I first started, I mean, I graduated A&M, then I got my master's and first I got in the oil field. I mean, I was making like... A little below forty k. Yeah, I was making thirty three grand a year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I mean, it was a small startup, and I was happy to have it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was gone all the time on a rig, and that's the thing, though, man. You start chasing that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Of course, you know, you know, you want more. You always want more. You know what I mean when it comes to wage and all stuff. But at the same time, I mean, if you're happy and and, and you're fine, kind of where you're at, and, and it's lower stress and not 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 a lot of bullshit you're dealing. It's right. it's, it's it's a it, you don't have to make it the most because you can you can have as much fun and make it, and learn as much without making the most. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was tickled pink to be there and uh, I moved to Tyler, Texas. Okay. And got my own little apartment and um, that I was literally never at and so we were very busy, but basically what I was doing, so we had these little tools. They were what you call like a survey on connection tool. So, okay. you know, a poor man's uh, MWD tool. But, I mean, it was an MWD tool, had some proprietary technology, really cool stuff. And we were using some of the same technology from that first tool that David sold to NOV. And this was uh, – so, like, Brandon um, – I never know how to say his last name – Bizardi? Oh, Bizarre? Yeah. yeah. So uh, he was at NOV at the same time. And this is when Pete Miller was there, and he was buying everything. And we all thought NOV stood for no other vendor because, right. you know, they were buying everything. Well, so – I love that. There was NOV, no other vendor, and there was MI Swaco. Mr. I'm sorry we aren't coming outside. <laughs> I, remember I, learned that, I remember I learned that offshore when I was yeah. uh, over the Shakers. And I, I think someone wrote that in, like, the tally book. And the MI Swaco guy that was out there was like, who wrote this? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, this isn't true. I'm out here right now. I was like, hey, dude, first off, I didn't write it as a joke. Chill, man. God. <laughs> well, so they, they had told me that, like, out in the field. And they were like, so how long before you go to work for NOV? And I was, I was young, dude. I, I didn't know what NOV was. Yeah. And um, so I remember stepping out on the rig for the first time and, like, poking my head outside this old steel doghouse and just, like, looking, and, you know, big Kelly rig. And I'm like – uh, Didn't everything seem just like dangerous? Oh, dude, I thought I was gonna die. Yeah, like, every everything. Time I turned around. It was loud. Equipment was grinding. Metal against metal. You're like, I don't, tell me where the green zones are. Yeah, because I feel like anywhere I go, I'm gonna be a disaster. So, so this guy that trained me that they had working in the field is this huge dude, big bodybuilder. His name was Derek Ham, and he was Army Ranger. Yeah, and he is runs he still around. I feel like yeah, I, yeah, Ham's I've heard that name. oil field services. Yeah. I think is what he runs. Yeah, I've heard that Texas. name before. Okay, cool dude, and. uh so he's just like turbo army ranger. He was in Iraq and Afghanistan and just, you know, no F's given. Yeah. Just. And so like I'm poking my head out this doghouse and he literally, I mean, grabs me like a kitten and just kind of like throws me out on the rig floor. And is like, hey, here took- you are, kid. And like <laughs> looking back now, that is so 
perfect for how like oil and gas has been for my career. It's just head first, boom, jump in, figure let's it out. Go. Okay. And uh, so anyway, and then shortly thereafter, um, you know, s- some stuff went by, but I-, I learned a lot real fast. But that was the downhole tool world, and um, then Nov had first rights of refusal, so they they put us on some jobs um, in West Texas. So I started okay. going to West Texas, and then they put me down. We got a job with HMP three fourteen. Okay. Uh, a guy named Robert Bertrand was the uh, company man down there for Anadarko on the Briscoe Caterina, drilling an exploratory well. All right. And some uh, like first-year engineers that we probably all know, Gavin Fluke. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Floyd. Oh, yeah. Uh, they were on the rig kind of like overseeing. Anadarko had such a good group of, of, of young engineers and great leadership. I remember back in the day. Yeah. It was It was the place to be. Oh, yeah. It was the great person. people. And you can always tell that as a salesperson, whenever you walk into like a, a customer's office, you know what I mean? You can always tell the type of culture with the people that work there. You know, you come to so, some offices, you're like, uh, I don't feel like it's a real yeah. teamwork here. Then you go to others like, man, this would be a great place to work. It, it, it The company culture really does shine and you can feel it. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, yeah. When, when you go into buildings and you yeah. go to different break rooms and you start meeting the, the, the teams of engineers at so, operators. You know, it's funny that you, that you talk about that because one of the things – so later in my career, I ended up getting to do a bunch of work in Canada. Okay. And if you've never worked in Canada, it is – you know, we all joke like Canadians are the nicest people in the world. But they really are. They're very nice. They're very respectful. Yeah. So if Isn't you're that annoying? Sitting, I mean, I'm joking how respectful that is. You know, sometimes you're like, dude, can you just like drop an F bomb here and like tell me what in the hell's going on? Yeah. And then we can get on down the road. But then sometimes, you know, the really cool thing is from like, you know, it, here in Houston, there kind of got to be this mentality from like a lot of these, a lot of customers, especially I think some of the younger ones, um, where the, there was you're the hired help kind of type mentality. Yes. And so you work for me because you're a vendor. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things in Canada is if they don't perform the rigs and the money, the people, they leave. And where do they go? They go south to the U.S. to work because they can put the rigs to work. They can make more money. But And, and they have a really short drilling season too, right? So they can only drees, you know basically drill most of the country when, when it freezes up. Okay. And so then you have, uh, you know, spring breakups. So everything starts to thaw out. You want to go on a really cool rabbit hole, start looking on YouTube and Google for uh, rigs in Canada post um, breakup. And you'll see, like, pictures of just the crown sticking out of the mud. What? To where, you know, like these rigs just – and their rig-moving trucks look like – I mean, they're these giant monster really? trucks. It, it's cool. Anyway, I digress. But I'll go down that rabbit hole. That sounds, that's a pretty cool rabbit hole to go down. It's pretty cool. Um, but the really cool thing is, you know, you come in, and if you're sitting at the table because you're there to represent a product line or a tool or a service, whatever the, you know, whatever the madness is, and you look, and there may be, like, a VP of drilling sitting across the table – well, he's going to, if you wait your turn and respectfully step into the conversation and say, hey, guys, you know, I think maybe this isn't the route to go. I think if we went this way instead, we'd be able to do these things. Everybody hears you out, explores the idea together. And then if, you know, if everybody says, you know, yeah, this is probably a much better route, then then you're going to go, you know, but you're truly a part of the team. You're not the guy that works for them. Well, how much? Let me ask you a question about that because that's that's that, uh, that's a great segue. Not even a segue, just kind of a, a path to go down. Um, a lot of times, you know, uh, 
there's people that you want to work for, yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Um, and there's people that just kind of, you feel that, oh, I'm just a vendor, you know, right. which, which isn't beneficial to anybody, in my opinion. Um, now, how much of that you think is pushed down from like leadership? Like, oh, they learned that from their leaders, or it's one of those things that they're kind of get called on so much where they kind of get oversaturated, where they can, where that feeling of, well, uh, if Roy's not in here, I'll just get someone else in here. I mean, do you think it's leadership or do you think it's just kind of uh, uh, a personal thing? I mean, I think both, right? I mean, I mean, to some extent, leadership is responsible, right? Um, but I mean, ultimately, I mean, there's just some there's some bad human beings out there, right? And we're not all judged on on you know that guy or 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 person, I guess. Yeah. But you know, ultimately, leadership's responsible for it. And if leadership's not facilitating the environment where you can be, or uh, well, you know, like here's the deal: if leadership's coming down on people and saying, you know, why are you bringing this to the table? You're going to do it this way. Yeah. This is how we do it, and it's this is you know that tribal leadership type deal. Um, you, you know, that's not good for anybody because we are the industry. There's no other industry in this world that has pushed technology as far as it can go and brought new technology to the forefront of the industry quicker and therefore propelled the industry you know look at the you know prime example eagleford wells eagleford wells used to take anywhere from like 12 to 18 days okay if you can't drill if you can drill you should be able to drill an eagleford a standard eagleford well in less than six days right like yeah it's, and it's that's just, long yeah really right. i mean you should be tdn those wells in probably four and a half days right and if you look at some of the top ones in South Texas, um, I mean, they're doing that. But how did that happen? From new people bringing new technology, and then that was from a willingness on the operator's side to adopt or try that new technology and push it forward. And without that, I mean, we go nowhere. So, I mean, if leadership isn't helping facilitate the environment to where people feel comfortable to try new things, like right now in today's market, post-COVID, here's what's happening, or I guess we're maybe still in COVID. Yeah. Uh, I'm being optimistic. Um, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny with the down market right now because we no, basically have – people are scared to try things. And, um, you know, so if, 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 that, if, if that environment isn't, isn't, isn't allowed to exist, then, then you know, we, then people have those mentalities of, you know, well, you're the vendor. Um, well, that's the thing. I think it's. I mean, I think there's a lot of. I think it's directly reflection of the leadership because um, there's a lot of places that you know you go in. There's always you know you hear like, oh, you get in front of that guy. It's tough. You know, da 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 all that stuff. The next thing you know, the team of engineers below that person will uh, kind of treat the vendor or the service, the oil field service uh, uh, person, like they are just. I mean, it really. I think it, it's more of a direct of uh, a direction or uh, of leadership. Than it is, yes. I mean, obviously, there's bad people out there, but I just feel that leadership does set the pace and set the tone for how to deal with um, um, uh, vendors and people that that I love working with operators that view companies as business partners yeah. versus just a vendor. You know, so I anyway, all day long, all day long. So, so anyway, I'm 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 uh, we get bought by NOV. Uh, it, the inevitable happens. Yeah. Um, then shortly thereafter, they you know, of course. You buy a new product line. What do you want to do? Make it grow fast and make money off of it. Right. So um, my my boss at the time was still John Watwitz, and he said, "Hey, look, they want to grow in the Permian. This is 2011, early 2011. So like January 2011. Okay. 
and uh before it is what it is now like it was right on the brink right right and uh rig count like total u.s rig count at the time i think was like 1800 rigs and uh you know then so anyway he says look i need you to go west texas do your thing kick in doors i need you to hire the guys build a team set up the shop right the whole nine yards so we uh word gets out we got bought by nov uh one of our big customers in west texas at the time uh he says hey roy i'm not running you i said what he said i don't do business with nov okay and i was like hard stance First day out and out and out there, like that's my area now, and I lose like four rigs. Boom! Oh, that's great. And I'm like, all right, all right. That's motivating. So we started hiring guys like crazy. I built a team, set up the shop, set up everything. Got you know vendors to do business with for inspection and everything. That was great. Had, had a ball doing that. We went from zero rigs to we were running on average around 75 rigs a day. Okay. Uh, for us, and we had a very niche tool, so we had to be um, basically. Anybody that had straight hole to kick off was our market, right? And um, uh, we worked all over. It was great. Um, so did you enjoy your time at NOV? Yeah, so my time at NOV was actually pretty awesome. You know, there were times at NOV when I was there I hated my life um, because uh, ultimately – so right after I left West Texas, they, they said, hey, there's a lot of stuff in the background that happened. But basically I left West Texas and came to Houston as a sales guy, and I got put on this team in Houston – to where, like, I was the youngest guy by 20, 30 years. Okay. Everybody else, the whole reason I was there is because one of them was retiring. But, like, all of the legends, like, the names on conference calls that you heard, yeah. and, like, when they spoke up, everybody listened. Like, those guys, that's the team I got put on. Well, that's pretty good exposure. It was great, except for the fact it's like working for your granddad. Nothing was ever good enough. Yeah. You Like, I would go close a deal that was pretty substantial, and they would be like, well, you should have done this. You didn't do this. You, Nothing you know, you was, could, yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, no one else on the sales team has done this. And oh, yeah, I, I can see the the positives and uh, the, the the positive things and the negative things from that. Number one, it's positive because you got these gr- great legends in the industry, you know. Number, but the negative side of it is, is nothing you do is gonna be good enough. No, yeah. So I actually and, got and, the and funny any story. Any new thing you try is gonna be shot down. Yeah. Well, so th- they actually, you know, one of the really things I, I've been really blessed for my entire career is somehow I've been able to work for a lot of people. There's been some some real bad apples I've worked for along the way, but. The positive thing is I've been allowed to work for some folks that really gave me my head and let me run. Okay. And, uh, but, you know, they allowed me to, you know, take Brene Brown's, you know, her, her deal is to, to be the guy in the arena. And I was always that guy and I was always pushing the envelope. Um, but when something didn't go right or there was a teachable moment, if you will, I mean, they held my feet to the fire big time. Well, yeah, I mean, that's con- you know consequences but, come from your actions. You know, I learned fast and I learned hard. And when I got to Houston, so I had all these old timers I was running with, and then I had a bunch of these new guys, some guys I really looked up to and still do. And um, I kind of got a lot of the new school Houston type. This is how you sell in Houston. And then I had that field mentality, and then I had that old school. And so I really was kind of blessed in the fact that kind of got this perfect marriage of like you know this is what oil and gas sales is at, yeah at the, at, in the majors i mean houston's a major league right houston is probably the most difficult place and i've 
in my opinion, you know, I'm sure you have listeners from, you know, all over, whether it's Midland or whether it's right. Denver, wherever they're at, like, oh, man, I feel like Houston, though, is a shark tank. I mean, oh, it is. For every one Roy, whatever one JP, there's a hundred of us here versus, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It is tough. You know, one of the things, so I went to work for the MD talk to a group within NOV. Yeah. And one of the things, so essentially what they're, I mean, they're handling all the data. So at the time, you know, and still there's really, there's two main players on the data side, on the drilling side, and that's MD Taco and Payson. And so they hold and control and sample all the data essentially okay. and aggregate all that data on a drilling location. Okay. And so I kind of, that's where I kind of got my step into the, the data side and the tech side of oil and gas. And so what I, what I realized though, is to sell anything in oil and gas on the drilling side specifically, you, you essentially have to always think about how does this impact the bit? And by that, I mean like ROP, how does this impact your ROP and your overall performance? Right. And at the time, you know, ROP was the name of the game. Now you're looking at, um, you know, cycle times, overall times, you know, and so some places you may have reached peak ROP. And so now you're trying to shave other places. Right. And so essentially that kind of, I didn't know it at the time, but that kind of formed my next several steps in my career. And so after NOV and while I was at NOV, they used to have, and I think they probably still do, but they had a huge training program. Oh, I, yeah. actually, I actually took classes from uh, Jonathan Rhodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, but I took a ton of technical classes. So up in Conroe at the downhole facility, they used to teach these very in-depth technical schools. And so, so you got a lot of good training with, with NOV. I took everything I could. And so then, so then, so, I, so what caused you to lead, leave, uh, I guess, uh, NOV with all this training? Training, so resources. Yeah. So I, I, look, the, the downside to NOV was a couple of things. Everybody knows like the majors usually don't pay great. Okay. Uh, and then there's a ton of red tape and bureaucracy. And then, you know, bad leadership is toxic. And there was a change in my immediate leadership. And I don't think any of the people that were on my team at that time are still there. Well, it's also one of those things too. It seems like you growing up in uh, Austin, you had the entrepreneur spirit. So yeah. working for a big outfit like that, would be great, a great, I guess, footing, but as far as long-term, I guess, career path, it, it doesn't sound like it's it right. Fit your, it, it just wasn't for me. Fuego de vida. Yeah. As we call it. So I started on a small shop when I got into oil and gas and I, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. Well then shortly thereafter I, I left, uh, somebody came to me, I won't say who and said, Hey, we're going to pay you a bunch of money to go to work for this company. Okay. I talked to my mentor about it and he was like, this is a terrible idea. Okay. You're going to hate it. It's not technical enough. And so uh, and I, he was 100% right. You like the technical side of things. Yeah, and I didn't know that, actually, at the time. Okay. Um, and so, but, I mean, that, that's totally where I, you know, ultimately I like the technical. I mean, look, drilling, technical drilling is sexy. Okay. Everybody loves it. Everybody wants to be in it. Like, you know, the prima donnas of the oil field are the directional drillers. We all, you know, we all joke about it. Um, I drive an F-250. I was never a DD, but I have the DD <laughs> truck. Um but, you know, like, and that's the sexy side. Why? Because, you know, they can make or break a well. If a DD, like, there was a, a an, an instance not long ago in West Texas where a DD planted an entire lateral 1,200 foot off plan. <laughs> like, that's that's a huge deal. God. And uh, so so anyway, but um, I kind of got into that niche of, of the data and the performance and the drilling. And so I, I didn't realize it. And then... And a lot of people I really looked up to at the time started coming to me and they would ask stuff and, hey, what about this data? And can you see this there? And, you know, stuff like that. 
and it really I, I, i'm i'm a pretty arrogant egotistical cocky you know guy and uh, humble it sounds like <laughs> but I, I can be very humble and i've really gotten good over the years of looking back and saying like i i don't know the answer to this um but I'm like, you want to tell me about this? And, you know, one of the big things, too, is from a sales side, I've sat across the table from some of my customers and said, look, why are you doing this? Uh, like, help me understand why you went this route. And that is so powerful because, one, like, people are always more than happy to tell you, you know, essentially how smart they are and what they know. Right. Um, but what that does from a sales perspective is now you know why they chose that, why they went that direction, and now you can take that and stick that in your toolbox and go back at it with a different angle. Or when you go to the next guy and you're trying to push, you know, whatever product and service you, you are. You understand the problems. And the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I so think, I, think that's, I think that's extremely important. To, I think that's such a great move to do because, number one, you're, you're, you're understanding what's driving their uh, reasoning. Their decision making, and number two, you're not making assumptions like, oh, well, Roy went with whatever company just because you know they went, you know I saw them at lunch together, I saw them go to a baseball game together, whatever it is. Right. It, it kind of it kind of squashes that the assumption right. side of things and allow gives you some knowledge on what drives decision making on that side of the desk. That's that's right. And so anyway, I I uh, so I went to work for this other company, non technical whatsoever, and it didn't work out. Um, and so I was sitting at the house looking for another job, and a buddy of mine actually tagged me in something on LinkedIn. Okay. And uh, he's like, dude, this is right up your alley. So I did some research, looked at it, and uh, so the company was a company maybe you heard of, uh, Corva. Oh, yeah, Corva Knotts. So, yeah, uh, I just had uh, William uh, Standiford on here, and I think his uh, daughter is a Corva Knot, I believe. Uh, yeah, I, th- I feel like that's right. Um, Different well, last name. So, oh, okay. Yes. Um, so I went to work for Corva in late 17. Seems like such a cool company. And I was the seventh person in the door. Okay. And we were working when I got there for one customer. Uh, and they had, I think, two rigs working at the time. Okay. In West Texas. And they said, hey, look, you know, same thing again. We want to grow as hard and fast as we can. Uh, so I put together a strategy said, this is how we're going to run. This is what we're going to do. And um, presented it to them. And they said, yeah, this is this this works. Uh, we just want to meet every, you know, whatever it was, week or other week, uh, every other week to kind of go over, hey, where we are. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's just get like market customer. Right. So you went from a non-technical sales role to a new startup technology a data software focused uh, company. Yeah. So, so with day, a performance drilling focus. So very night and day differences when it comes to yeah, selling think, and, and, and think I Google meets the rotary table. Okay. I cool. mean, that, that's what it was. And that's okay. how I pitched it everywhere we went. And so we grew. So I hit the ground running and I was the, well, there for a while. I had a, an engineer and then he left. And then I was the sales guy with no engineer trying to sell a pretty technical product, which I could do a lot of. But Really and truly, I needed somebody. So it's like that meme I posted this today on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent spot on. Right. And so we, we, uh, I ended up needing a, an engineer, and so I called actually an old customer of mine, uh, Andrea Arduin. Okay. And uh, I, <laughs> she hates it when I tell her tell people this, but I said, "Hey, come come to work on the service side." And she said, uh, "No, I'm an operator." Yeah. And I was like, "Look, Pretty I know fun on the service side." I need I need an engineer like bad, 
And she's like, well, I'm, what if I go to work for an operator? I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I need an engineer right now. Like, and you need something to do. I need yeah. help. Let's do this. I said, I will promise you will have more fun doing this than you've ever had at work. And uh, I think if you asked her now, she would say that that, that was spot on. I think and, if you hear you'll have more fun now than you've ever had at work before. I mean, that's something that's got to prick your ears up a little bit and so you listen to it. I mean, you know, look, at, least, at least explore what that means. I, I've When I've interviewed with people, they say, well, you know, what are you looking for in, in, a, in a career or a job or whatever in this role? And I'm like, look, I want to have fun. Yeah. If I can't have fun doing this, I'm not interested in doing it at all. And people kind of look at you weird. And it's like, but I agree with that though. It's yeah. like if, if if I have if I have an, an, an employee who's having fun and having and that means they're going to do their job with so much more motivation, so oh, much yeah. more drive, and so much more I guess innovation when That's it comes right. to solving problems. So so we assembled this A team at Corva, and it, it was epic. And you know uh, Ryan Dawson, the CEO over there, he he's he's literally a visionary. Did you come up with Corva knots, or did he? That was his deal. Okay. Um, so that's what they called themselves at Corva, Corvanots. Corvanots. I dig that. Um, and so I came up with the killing it. I was hashtag killing it all the time. I mean, I didn't come up with killing it. I mean, yes, I, who yeah, knows? But you, but you brought it into the workforce. Yeah. So at, at Corva, we ended up having, we have a neon sign that says killing it, or they do. Uh, very Instagram worthy. I'm not there anymore. Yeah. Very cool. And, um, so anyway, built out this huge team. In the first year at Corva, we grew by 4,000%. Uh, a little over 4,000, actually, but it was insane. So we went from one customer, two rigs in West Texas, to we were like 36 different operators in four countries, like 260-something rigs. Damn, okay. And um, so we actually – I remember one time we presented to Conoco, and they were like, oh, yeah. Uh, but they get, they were using a different shop here in, in the States, and so one of the Canadian guys was down, and he was like, I have a 14-well pad coming up. Do you What do you think? Uh it's like, yeah, sounds great. He's like, is it in metric? And I was like, mm. yes. <laughs> and I said, when does this pad start? He said, um, in three weeks. I said, we'll have the entire system available in metric in two weeks. And so I come back to the office, and Ryan Dawson's like, oh, what? <laughs> and then we got to rebuild. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, but you know, what's funny is in Canada they use like a hybrid. They use. Um, both. So like some of the stuff will be in meters, uh, some of it will be in kilopascals, and then some of it will be in standard measurements. So I'm like, a huge kilopascal type of guy. Yeah. It's just me though. Call me new school. <laughs> so so anyway, it was a great time, man. We built a, an amazing team. We really accomplished some cool stuff. I was afforded, but, but to, to kind of bring it back to point, one of the things I was really afforded to do there was really get into both the sales and the marketing side. Okay, so so you had a little. So you, you got sales down. You've been doing sales your career. This is the first time you were actually exposed to the marketing. Side. And what was the marketing in in, in your opinion? So because marketing, so it's so different. You know what I mean? There's, it's, I feel it's so broad. But I guess what did you actually start? I guess start your marketing. So my marketing exposure had bid from this huge corporate conglomerate of NOV, right? So I got to work with like Stephen um, Forrester, Forrester yes. and. Um, you know, a bunch of other people, Carrie Smith and, and uh, Melissa and that team over yeah. there. So, like, I knew, like, okay, here's what we do. Here's how we do things. Um, but, like, I'm sure you can imagine, NOV has a huge marketing oh, yeah. budget, right? And so here we are, this small shop. We're, you know, very small. And one of the – little side note, one of the most rewarding things while I was at Corva was I was out there just kicking in doors and blowing and going, and I was gone really – I mean, I would be gone four to five weeks a month. Okay, pretty much all the time. 
and I was running and gunning. And I mean, so your your work schedule was so much they would even add a weekend on a month. So I mean, if there five was weeks yeah, away. sometimes you know on that you know fifth Sunday, like I was gone, and sometimes it was flying out on Sunday to be able to make an appointment. And then I remember one time I was in Oklahoma, and a customer I've been trying to nail down for a while in Denver finally replied to an email and said, "Hey, I can meet you at nine in the morning." Yeah. And I had meetings up until I had my last meeting in Oklahoma that day was at three. I caught a six o'clock into Denver, got into Denver. I had to fly to like Dallas and then all this stuff. I mean, I got into Denver at like 11, uh, take the train to, to downtown and then Uber over to a hotel, have the meeting and then run down 16th. You not, made the meeting? You, you made the meeting and then run down 16th and drop some other stuff off. And then a guy in Midland calls who, same thing. Hey, tomorrow afternoon, if you can be here at two. And I'm like, Get so what do I do? Rebook a flight. Southwest and me are like, I mean, we're we're homies. And uh, so I flew back in the middle, but I made it happen, right? So yeah. I was gone all the time. But really cool thing is every time I'd come back to the Corva office, so they have this huge real-time center. It literally is nicer than what NASA has. I don't know when the last time you went to NASA, but like... It's been a while. They have... I mean, it's insane. I mean, these guys are mo- monitoring ERD wells all over the country and drilling rigs in South Texas. Just I mean, everything. data boards everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing. Right. And so, but the cool thing was is that Real Time Center kept growing. Okay. And so every time I'd come back, there'd be a few more and a few more and a few more. And so that was all a result of like, hey, I picked up more work, so now we need more people. And what's really cool is we were going out and hiring these people that had been at some of the majors and had been laid off, but they were just, I mean, top hands. Yeah. I mean, just amazing people. And at one point in time, I remember telling my wife, I said, I've never felt like I've belonged anywhere more than I do right now. Going back to the people. And it was all, you know, and what was really cool is the camaraderie level at that company when I was there, and we had built this team, and that camaraderie level, I, I mean, there were times when, you know, like me and management didn't see eye to eye or even like me and some of my engineering team. But like we would literally have meetings where we would be dropping F-bombs at each other and then we'd go have a beer. Yeah. And Well, I mean, you showed me a video on there and pretty much everyone, what they say there is like, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people. But I kind of want to go back to your point when you got involved in yeah, marketing. Sorry. When you so, got into marketing. So tell me, tell, uh, me about, tell me about that and kind of what you experienced and kind of, I guess, your strategy with that. So one of the cool things was, again, coming from, you know, one of these big companies, I was like, you know, how are we going to compete with, we can't compete with the NOVs, the Slumberjays, right. the, you know, whoever, pick one. Right. Um, Scout, you know, what, what even, you know, some smaller of right. the bigger. And so- I started trying to think, all right, so we kind of found this term called guerrilla marketing, if you will, right? And how are we going to take and adapt from some of these other industries, especially like on the social fronts? And so um, we started heavy into LinkedIn, um, heavy into – so like breakfast runs. I would still do breakfast runs, and I would – even when I couldn't do breakfast runs, I found ways to do breakfast runs in other markets. And so um, – but you know, like you, so, which is smart. I mean, that's being in three places at one time. Yeah, and so you know, our main markets <clears throat> then at the time that I I had identified were uh, Houston, Midland, OKC, and Denver. Okay, and so we were going to target some very specific client base, and then so how are we going to be? I was one guy at the time. I was one sales guy, and we had other engineering support. But how are we going to maintain presence in four different? geographical right. markets. And so, and then ultimately we were going to run some other parallel strategies that basically like if these things happened, 
Like we were going to have our lines of right. water in some other places. Then we would go into other spots. So trial and error pretty much. And so we basically, what I started doing, well, like, so, so I remember one day I was at um, the old in Canada, now Ventive mm-hmm. uh, break room. And, you know, of course, back in the day, you'd go in there and there would be, I mean, I mean it would look like that scene from Hook where the table is just like oh, far yeah. as you can see is food and their break room. And so, but then after. This is after he used imagination. Yeah, you're right, right, right. Got you. Be- you know, before. Mm, yeah. Uh, so then uh, they have a basket on that bar, though, and that basket is full of probably like, oh, yeah. I don't know, a thousand business cards. It's a business, business card graveyard. So I start doing some market <laughs> intel and going through to see who else is on my stomping grounds. And then I start finding, and I got like. By the time I finished counting, I had like twenty-seven of my own cards in there. I'm like, "Good God! Like this is getting nowhere." And not one call. And yeah, not a single call, Tyler. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So anyway, uh, what I did is I went back and I got with. Uh, we had this this UI guy that was working on a bunch of the uh, Corva stuff, and so I said, "Hey, I need you to throw me together a little graphic." And I had five by seven, essentially like business cards made yeah so what they were was on one side they had some really cool shots of some of our our stuff from corva and then on the other side it just had our logo said roy strawn and my phone number and email that's it but i mean it was a five by seven postcard so i started leaving those all over oh yeah no i mean that and, works i mean it's like getting christmas cards and there's that one family that yeah. has a christmas card that's and like you one and a half time you're like what are you doing with this yeah well so my big thing too is it won't fit in that stupid basket yeah and so um I was like, you know, are these things really working? And then finally, all of a sudden, in the same week, I get texts from like four different guys that I knew, other sales guys. And they're like, dude, where have you not been? Yeah. And I was like, boom. That's it. I'm there. That right there. And so then, you know, the next thing we started doing um, was... Look, I'm sorry, go on. Go on. No, no, no. You were going to the next thing you were about to do? Because I kind of want to tie into kind of what you're doing today on, on, on today's yeah, market because so it seems like this kind of segues into it. So I, I learned a lot there, right? Um, some of the stuff like uh, at clay shoots, clay shoots are expensive. Yeah, um, they are. You know, and I, I maybe some of our customers don't realize that, but like by the time it's all said and done, for you to put in a four or five man team into a clay shoot like OHH or AADE, which OHH, hands down, if you're doing an event during or post COVID and you have limited marketing or entertainment dollars, OHH. Give it all to OHH. Yeah. Go to those events. They're the best events, best people, and ultimately Such a great cause, too. the cause. I mean, yeah. Anyway, so none of the other organizations give back. I mean, they give some scholarships here and there, but you really don't see it. You don't see anybody else reaching down with their hand and helping pull up the rest of the industry. Now, that being said, they still need our support. They still yeah, they need do. all that stuff. But at the same time, OHH, I mean, that's something that you can actually, you know, put your hands on and, that's and right. feel the impact of kind of yeah. what, your involvement there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, we started doing stuff like, so like one of those clay shoots, if I'm going to put in a full team, that's 1500 to right. two grand by the time it's all said and done. And so, but... There's tons of other sponsorship opportunities too. So like you just want to be a you want to go cook at one of those events. Usually it's 200 to 300 bucks, you know, to, for the sponsorship. They put your name everywhere and then you get to go set up and you can do what basically whatever you want there. So like It's like a social sponsorship. Yeah, so I got we ordered all kinds of flags and banners and like we would have piles and piles of swag. And um, we started cooking like tacos and, you know, just being right. there. And I would be like, so I'd walk through the office like the week of, and I'd be like, hey, guys, I'm going to need you on Friday at uh, Westside. And they're like, oh, well, I got this meeting. I'm like, I don't care. I need you there. 
wear some jeans and a polo. I don't care, whatever. Yeah. Bring a shotgun if you got it. I might need another shooter. And so we would just have a bunch of cool people there hanging out, being cool. And like we started trying to do that all over. So like I would call some of my colleagues in like Oklahoma and say, hey, what are the what are the heavy hitter events that you go to in Oklahoma? And he'd be like, oh, these these two, like you have to be at these two. Boom. I would somehow, so um, the Oilmans, the golf tournament, uh, you know, there's a huge waiting list actually to get in there and to sponsor and play. Right. So, uh, but a friend of mine was like, hey, just come to the, I think they call it the social night. And so it's just basically like a huge happy hour, like the night before or whatever. And so we had these awesome Corva coolers made, Yetis made. And so I donated one. And so my buddy was the one running the the door prizes. So he gives us this huge plug and like this awesome cooler we had. And then we went there just wearing Corvus shirts and it was it was pretty legit. And uh but I mean we just started focusing on things like that. Like what can we do? Where can we was, and one thing too that happened is um the GM at Corva told me she we had a show come up and she's like, Hey, I said, Hey, let's get a ten by ten booth here. And she said, that 10 by 10 booth is probably going to cost us somewhere between right. 20 and 30 grand by the time it's all said and done. And I said, oof. And she said, I will go to this show or I'll give you that, say, 20 grand to spend on hunting or fishing or anything else other than this trade show. And I was like, huh, okay, see a trade show. Yeah. And I went to, but I mean, that really helped me. And then with the guidance from Ryan Dawson, CEO over there, he's very, um, I don't like it's very artsy, very marketing oriented. Right. Um, and so he has a bunch of contacts on the software side that really helped kind of propel us into some of these like videos and things, right? right. And so And they all look great. They all look un- unbelievable. I've seen I've seen them all. I kinda wanna carry you on from from the from your time at Corva to kind of where you're at now and kind of what you're doing because I feel we spend a lot of time on Corva, but what you're doing right now, uh, you're crushing it, uh, in my opinion. So, well thank you. You're killing it. So we uh so one of the things I've always done is, so, so my mom worked for uh, several different software companies in Austin, okay. and um, she was in like a sales support role for several of them, all through like the big dot-com boom. Okay. And so one of the really cool things for me is um, she would always send me whatever their sales leadership was providing to their team so as far as like books or technical learning right. or sales stuff you know or like the movie list i don't know so i actually screenshot it um today but so there's always these the sales movies oh, right is that the post that someone made with uh was like glenn gary glenn ross yeah glenn gary glenn ross boiler room uh wolf th- of wall street yeah then alex bryant mentioned another one 1968 movie uh I forget what it was, dude. But so, like, here's the deal: like, those movies are terrible, right? Well, uh, Glenn Gary Gun Ross, they're is good damn movies. Good. They're good movies, right? Like, coffees for closers, always a staple. But ultimately, like, I don't want to be that sales guy. No, that's a that's a very seventies eighties way yeah. to sell. Yeah, close the deal no matter what. Yeah, like I, I hate that. But that's not like, our that's not our industry though. I think yeah. for some industries you can be exactly. that way. Maybe not so much anymore. But for our industry, it's not like that. No. Our industry is very relationship based, very knowledgeable based, and very solution providing. Right. Yeah. That's right. And so, what I always what, what I say all that because what I what what I kind of grabbed onto early was oil and gas is so unique. But, like, 
what can we learn from other industries and other tactics and things that other people are deploying to how do we tweak those a little bit okay. maybe to deploy into oil and gas? Okay. And so um, there is that shift change that everybody's been talking about for like 10, 12 years, Has whatever. I mean, it's happening right now, I feel like. It's happening, but at the same time, like, you know, some some of that we still have to adhere to the old school ways of doing things. But I think as a salesperson, if you're looking at, you know, what can I do? How do I run my business? You know, there's a lot of key things. And so um, I think ultimately you have to put yourself in that entrepreneurial spirit and say, this is my business. I own it. Yeah, I work for, you know, whoever, but this is mine and I'm going to drive this and this is my brand and my reputation and this is how I'm going to do it. So I've done some things recently. Like I have some, some really, um, really awesome real estate agents in Pearland. Okay. Um, some folks that I know one of my out with, and then the other one, uh, she's, um, uh, a neighbor and a friend and, um, her name's Corey Fleming. Uh, and then another one named Abby Robinson. So Abby does this thing, uh, and their social game is on point. Okay. Um, so uh, Tinley Via, uh, also former petroleum engineer, um, Metcalf actually uh, brought her up. So I know her as well. She's actually from Marble Falls. So she actually got out of oil and gas and went to real estate. So so what are, what are they doing? What are they so doing? what they're doing is if you look at it, um, you know, they're staying in front of their customers on the social platforms. Okay. Um, they're posting stats and not necessarily stats about, Hey, look how great I am. But like, here's what's going on in our markets, in our world right now. Here's some things that might help you and empower you uh, as a, as a customer. Yeah. At least, at least have some, have some sort of basis to start having that conversation. Right. Like, is it a good time to buy? Is it a good time to sell? Uh, is it time to refinance? Right. Well, this is the info. Yeah, exactly. So Abby actually did a thing here in Pearland and, uh, she would post on her Instagram story uh, her Starbucks, uh, barcode. Okay. And buy people, um, you know, a coffee, Hey, go grab a coffee on me. Uh, and she would, you know, just stack some cash on there. And then when it was gone, it was gone. Right. Okay. And so I was like, man, that is, that's, that's great. Yeah. Because what did we always used to do with customers? We grab a coffee here, grab a coffee there, take coffee, whatever. And so, but with COVID, you know, it's a little difficult right now. So, um, we use a CRM, a customer relationship management tool. Uh, we use HubSpot, not advocating for HubSpot, but we use something. Um, but essentially what we use it for is like automation of our emails um, at SitePro. Okay. And so uh, we have a great, great marketing person. Her name's Erica Anderson. And so, so what, did you, what, did we, what did we do with the coffee thing? So I call Erica and I said, hey, I want to do this coffee deal. And I want to send an email to all of my customers and say, hey, uh, we did two things. I included the barcode. And said, look, I know things are crazy right now. I'd love to have a coffee with you. But if you're not comfortable having a coffee yet in person, here's my barcode. Go grab a coffee on me. Dude, I saw that. And I just thought that was just such such a great, uh, new, innovative, respectful way. It's kind of one of those things. Hey, look, I'm not going to be knocking on your door to get in your office, especially time like this. That right. being said... Get yourself a coffee. Your time. If you, I don't care how you do it. Just you know, just that's right. Put it on here. And it works Thank, at yeah. any Starbucks worldwide. Such a that, stuff like that's such a great idea. But and the other thing I did too is I included a Callan Lily uh, link. So if you did want to have coffee with me, oh, here's my calendar. Go book a time that works for you. So what? How, what kind of uh, feedback did you get from that? The, re- the reception. So that's actually a great segue too. Um, I know you handle those, but uh, no, babe. This hey, this is your show, right? Hey, now. you handle it. You segue so us through a couple things. Um, 
one, to answer your question, that was the highest open rate at SitePro we've had on any email so far, uh, which was like 47% open. So when you do oh. these large emails like that, like a lot of people are like 47%, like, mm, that that's huge. Yeah. Um, and so the one thing I will tell a lot of folks is if you ever can, always ask first, take a step around behind your client's desk and look at their inbox and then ask yourself how effective an email is to be sent. They're not. You know what? I agree with that. And also, I was also, th- I had, I wrote down something when you were talking about, you know, like, um, I think you were talking about like the, the new way to, to market, da, 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 all, the, all that stuff. And one thing that, you know, that, that I would say also to that is what would you like to see? You know, if you're that customer with that email, what right. email do you want to see? If, you, if you're a customer or, or whoever that you're trying to get from and you're scrolling, what's really going to have them stop scrolling and actually look and engage with your, with whether it's your online presence on your post or whatever that is. That's, right. that's a great point though. You know, one of the other big things though is, is first and foremost, you know, there's probably a lot of sales leadership out there that's going to roll their eyes at me when I say this, but I hate CRMs. Oh yeah. Now, well, this is why, because it's not, okay, you go first and I'll give my, my shit. So, so CRMs are awful because a couple of reasons. Typically, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to say this too. There's a lot of very poor leadership out there. And the great ones are few and far between. And typically what I've seen happen with CRMs is that you, you wind up being a micromanaging tool. Yes. And, well, you only sent 10 emails this week. Who gives a crap? How many texts did you send? How many yeah. phone calls did you make? And then how many social media posts did you make? Did you have any chats on LinkedIn? Uh, like I, I've got a meeting tomorrow that was set up that was 100% on LinkedIn. Never met the guy before in my life. All on LinkedIn. Yeah. And But what you do need, and I'm a huge advocate of this, is data. What's working? When is it working? And how is it working? And so, you know, a couple of things there is, how are you? There's a ton of different things you can do to track that, but you as an individual need to be tracking what's effective. And for emails, emails can be effective. But if you look at your email stats, and there's a bunch of research you can actually do on Google too if you want to go read, but there's certain times a day that emails get much higher open rates. Yeah. And then there's certain times that, like, if you send in, if you send in an email after nine o'clock on a Friday, you can pretty much forget it. It's going into la la land. Unless, especially if you're sending it to someone in the operational side of the, of the upstream. Because I was going to say, unless you send it to us, we're going to answer that at nine o one. That's right. That's the type of salespeople we are. That's right. Okay. That's right. Even though we'll be on, you know, the sixth hole by then. But but that's a good point, though. I mean, this this the the CRM. You're right, though. Number one, you know, managers use it to micromanage. You know, and when that happens, then you start having a fluff. In and you kind of uh, lose certain topics and points just because all the bullshit gets thrown in there. Oh, I met with Roy. We discussed this, this, and this, and this. First off, every time I meet with a customer, I'm not talking work because they know what I do. You know, yeah. they know what you do. And, That's right. if, and if you keep on constantly bringing it, it's like I always equate it as, as every time you go by someone's office, you're asking for, hey, can you loan me 20 bucks? Can you loan me 20 yeah. bucks? Can you loan me 20 bucks? Eventually, they're not going to want to see you. No. You know, so the, when, when people start throwing in like bullshit in a CRM and stuff that's just not truthful t- because they feel they have to justify their job, it just takes away the, uh, look, it's a great tool if used properly. And it's, in my opinion, it's rarely used properly. Yeah. So, you know, the other hard thing, too, is, again, oil and gas is so unique. None of these CRMs were built with the oil and gas industry in mind. And so because, you know, we're very relationship-driven, but we're also very technical. And so some of these sales cycles on different products and services are so unique that it just doesn't doesn't work out, right? And so, um, 
Now, and the other thing is, you know, I work for a fantastic guy now. His name's David Bateman. He's the CEO, owner, founder of SitePro. Right. Really cool guy. Um, but he actually told us this story. We had this huge sales meeting of basically like, let's all get together. What's working? What's not? Air it out. And so one of the big things is um, I kind of I, I, I kind of set my sights on our CRM. And uh, everybody was like, well, there's some good things. And David was like, to hell there is. He said, hell, we had an investor meeting we went to present to. And there was so much fake garbage in there yeah, because people were worried. And so they're just putting all this fluff in there. And they said they had like $40 million worth of deals coming through. Yeah. And none of it was real. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's the same thing. And like... Uh, but you know, good for good for him to look at it that way because some people are like, well, no, it's still vent. like, but good for him to actually see see what right, it is. Right? Yeah, it's it's not it's not effective. It's, and, and again, you know, there's some there are some great tools for it. Yeah. And like personally, me, I'm a very visual person, so like I'll use it, and I'll, I'll use it to go see like when did, when's the last time I touched this guy? Um, when's the that sounds awful? Uh, when's socially, the last time I reached out to this client? In a socially distant, respectable. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, but th- that's the thing. And then the other thing is, you know, I'll have a whiteboard. And sometimes I just need to pull out an expo marker and get on that whiteboard and map some stuff out right. and then sit there and, you know, stroke the beard. And, and ponder. And ponder. And just ponder. Look, yeah. Tell me about kind of your way, because what you've done uh, recently besides the coffee thing, I mean, you, you have started kind of doing these uh, – you're putting yourself out there more lately, I feel like. And this is just me kind of knowing you recently, actually. Um, and But what I've seen from you is you're kind of putting yourself out there more, not just kind of the product, not Site Pro or anything like that. But you're putting, your, you're putting Roy out there. You're putting yourself out there, which I think is great. I mean, because what that does – for my, I feel like I know you, you know, whether I've, I've never met you before or anything like that. I'm like, okay, well, I know, I feel like I know this guy a little bit better and I feel more comfortable engaging with him or taking a meeting with him. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that. Um, so I've been want, at the beginning of COVID, I actually, well, when I was at Corva, I actually wanted to start a, a podcast and there was all this uh, talk about, you know, how much work it is and, you know, do you have time and what, you know, what are you going to talk about? And, you know, I'm one of those guys. I shoot from the hip a lot, um, but I'm also not afraid to to fall back and be like, "Hey, this isn't working. We need to try something different." Right. But keep with forward progress in mind, not just "Hey, we're going to abandon this altogether." Um, but I'm not a, I'm not afraid to say, "Hey, I, I I screwed up. This was a bad call. We need to do something different." So um, I finally at the start of COVID, I was like, "Oh yeah, we're going to do this." So I got a camera, got it all set up, and everything. And then uh, to be real real brutally honest here uh well, that's what this you, is all about your podcast hit and i was like oh man and then somebody else's hit and i was like oh dang all right well i'm behind the ball now and but uh, you know there's always room for more podcasts so, out there. so anyway i, I kind of lost a little bit of motivation and then um jacob corley over at digital wildcatters yeah. actually reached out to me a couple weeks ago and said dude why are you not vlogging and I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And so, like, a lot of my customers know me on my socials, on you know, uh, Facebook and, you, and Insta you, and for Snap. For some of those elder generation, you go what vlogging is. Yeah. So, like, basically, real briefly, building out video um, content to where I'm essentially walking through various activities. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a snapshot into kind of what an everyday uh, life or, or what a day what a moment in the life in time of, with Roy is exactly. Uh, don't don't worry. There'll be no no beard trimming on camera, or uh, you know, I'm not going to show you my avocado toast. But uh, I don't know what that means. But I dig that. Yeah, but hey, so I don't you know, know what that means. If that's if that's code for anything, I don't know. <laughs> so 
you know, the thing is, is like, again, I've, I've known a lot of my customers, a lot of my customers I'm at different levels with, right. Uh, as far as relationship. And so some of them, you know, we're friends on uh, Facebook or, or connected on Instagram and LinkedIn. Right. And, you know, I try and keep most of it somewhat professional, but the Snapchat stuff is, is also just another avenue to stay in touch with some of my clients. Right. And so um, some of them are like, dude, like I would go back in and see them like in Denver or something. They're like, dude, what in the world happened the other day south of Lubbock and, you know, stuff like that. And it's just, uh, but it has, but that's a springboard to having a, a right, conversation, right? Yeah, and versus so, how's things, how's business? Yeah, and listen, it, it's some of the content I've put out recently is not great, um, but it's it's some of it's I've, I'm learning a lot as we go. There's a lot of great uh, people that have influenced it so far. Uh, you know, one of the big things is I I really enjoy like the public speaking, the uh, presenting. Uh, you know, I, I was able to, I was asked to speak at like energy tech night that the digital wildcatters were doing a couple years ago before all this, um, uh, for Corva, um, when I was at NOV, anything that came up like that, I was like, dude, I'll do it. Come on. And, uh, you know, so stuff like that, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, I still do. I don't get to do it as much now. Um, but I'll be the front man for anything. And like, I had somebody one time ask me if I would be the MC for an event that they were having. I was like, yeah. I mean, I'm down, but am I that guy? And they said, oh, yeah, definitely. And so I just, you know, it's been a lot of fun. But, you know, the thing is, too, is there's so many people out there. So I reached out to a couple guys that have recently transitioned into sales last week and asked them, I said, hey, what is what are some of the biggest questions you have right now as far as sales? And there's a lot of really good podcasts out there right now. Obviously, you know, people need to be listening around the rotary if they're not already. Uh, obviously. Uh, and uh, But there's some really good content out there. There's great technical content. There's great, um, like, marketing movement pod- yeah. podcast. Uh, and by that, I mean, uh, like, I guess, oh, let me rephrase that, industry movement podcasts. Um, but no one focuses or thinks about the salesperson. And so salespeople right now, a lot of them are lost. Uh, so how do you, you know, what do you do? How do you do that? And then heaven well, yeah, forbid. Because, because every, every, uh, tool and trick that we've had for the past 40, 50 years is out the window. Yeah. It's completely new. Um, there's a recruiter that posted the other day on LinkedIn, Jeremy Jensen, I think, um, about how he had to meet a guy at a Starbucks uh, and they were going to have a coffee oh, I read on the that. patio. It was closed. And he ended up having to hop in the guy's car and go through the drive through and, um, He's like most most of the time those deals would be made around the boardroom table. Yeah, here we are sitting in his Subaru having a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. And but the th- but the things of what you're doing. I mean, you say, look, it's not that great. What I'm putting out there is not great. Blah 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 blah. At the same time, you're still doing it, and that's the thing. I mean, I would advise people out there who are potentially talking about maybe. Go- putting themselves out there more or, or starting something, just do it. And it, absolutely it, put it out there, keep pushing and you're going to, and you're going to find what works. You're going to find that, that groove and you're going to find out what works for you. And that's when you kind of go forward. Don't be worried about putting out the best quality content, everything banger, the first thing out. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think ultimately there's, there's a few staples I try and always think of one, be genuine Two, be professional. And that one has, an asterisk next to it, I think, because I'm very hard asterisk. I'm big asterisk on that because uh, you can be professional, yeah. but you still have fun. Yes, and so you know, don't it doesn't need to be rigid all the time. Um, you know, we, we we goof around a lot, and 
so, but the other thing is I get, I've had a lot of folks reach out recently and say, you know, Hey, I'm trying to find a job. Yeah. Like, can you help me? I'm like, yeah, I'll help you till the cows come home. What do you need? And the, but the first thing I ask them is how active are you on LinkedIn? Uh, and then they'll say, uh, I don't know. I logged in last week and I'm like, mm, mm-mm. so let me ask you a question. So, I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's kind of an exclusion, I mean, lack of a better word. I mean, for people that are sitting there that aren't, that are listening to this, that aren't active on LinkedIn, that aren't like this to you, that doesn't demonstrate if they're a, a, a good professional employer or not, but what does that reflect to you if they're not active on LinkedIn? What does that tell you? You know, if I'm looking at it, I'm going to say, hey, look, I don't know jack about this person. You know, right. what are they like? Like, are they great technically at what they do? Probably. I, you know, I'm going to assume so. But realistically, how are they going to assimilate with a team if I'm trying to bring them in? And then the other thing is, what is this person like? At, like, as, a, as an individual being, what are they like? Yeah. And But if they're not active on LinkedIn or – and, you know, LinkedIn has its faults, for sure. Oh, no, absolutely. But how are they staying up to date with, you know, their industry or other industries that could have impact on theirs or, you know, what's happening, what the movement is? So to, so to you, and I, and I agree with this, too, uh, to a certain extent, I'm not sure if you're saying this or not, but to you, it's, 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 it reflects effort. Look, sure. you're actively trying to get a job. I get that, and I, and I, and I wish you the best. That being said... What I am seeing in my realm and my sphere of influences is if you have a strong online LinkedIn presence where you're actively involved, engaging, reaching out, networking, all stuff, that tells me, number one, I know you a little bit better, you know, just because right. I'm seeing your online personality, which is kind of a reflection of your real personality. And number two, I'm seeing effort. Look, this is a new day, new era, new way to network, new way to get coffees with people. Are you doing that? So it's not a question of like, hey, look, if you're not on LinkedIn, you're screwed. But to you, it's one of those things where it's like, and I, I agree with this, uh, I'm either whether you're saying this or not, whether I'm saying this, to, 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 it's one of those things like, how much effort are you really putting out there to network? And all this? Right. Or are you just saying, hey, look, I'm looking for a job. Find me a job. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the other thing, right? Is So when I used to interview people, I would always ask, what do you do outside of work? Yeah. And people are like, why do you ask that? And I'm like, well. What is this person doing? If you're not here doing what your, you know, work hours call you to do, what are you doing? And people will say, you know, like if the if I was looking for what I didn't want to hear was, oh, I go home and watch Netflix or, you know, I go home and play with my cat. Uh, it's like, mm. what I wanted was. I have two cats. Yeah, yeah I bet you do. Uh, do you really? I do. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my daughter's kitty cat queen, so we gotta have cats. Okay, yeah, but you have a daughter, like that's eh, a little different. Uh, you gotta have, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but see, like in that conversation, prime example is well, you get to know me more. Y- why do right. you have cats? Well, this is why exactly. And so, but what I was ultimately looking for is I wanted someone that, like, when work is quote unquote over, which it never is in oil and gas. That's you, right. You go home and put in something else, like oh, I work out. Or, oh, I'm a duck hunter, so I'm going to go home, I'm going to pack all this stuff, and in the morning I'm going to get up and do all this work to go shoot six birds. Yeah. And then um, when I'm done with that, I'm going to come back to the office and kill it again. Well, Dina Dombowski had a great point when she was on. It's one of those things with, with activity being low, people aren't getting out. Da-da. She had a great question. Her question was, what have you done? 
in COVID? You know, what, what, what have you done? I'm not saying that you have to like start a, I started a company. I sold. No, I'm not saying anything like that, but like, what have you, what have you done to Im- yeah. improve on yourself? Whether it's at the after work question that you had in an interview, but also hers is like, Hey, look, what have you done during this, this, this break, this time? That's right. This time off. Like I've seen a ton of people have gotten there. Excuse me. A lot of people have gotten there. Uh, project management certificates or people have gone back and re-enrolled in their getting their master's yeah. or technical whatever um, a lot of people have gotten their real estate license for side hustles and people and people have and I think that's great I mean you're seeing a lot a lot of that stuff um, yeah you know I built a I'm sure you've seen it uh, an awesome office Dude, your office is if anyone wants to see his office connect with him on connect with Roy Strawn on LinkedIn it's it's unbelievable it's a gorgeous office with with a, with the with the around the rotary mascot Jude Jude yeah Jude's there uh, on his Orvis dog bed um, got a lot of mounts in there got me a sweet fridge by the way if you want stickers on the fridge um, you know I'll uh, hit me up and we'll connect on the sticker game um, I dig that so uh, but yeah I mean I you know all kinds of stuff I, I learned how to do a lot of stuff I started a lot of the tracking. Uh, and so a lot of times during early COVID, like in the thick of it, I would not start work until, I mean, there, there are obviously times when, when this wasn't the case, but I wouldn't really start diving into work till lunch or later. Right. And, but the schedules are shifted. But yeah. And I had stats to back it up and, you know, uh, so I did stuff like that. Um, when I was at, I mean, anyways, so one of the cool things is, you need to market yourself and brand yourself. So we all work for a different company, yeah, sure. Yeah. But what is JP Warren's brand? You know, what is Roy Strawn's brand? And if you don't have a brand personally, you know, there's a lot this this spot that I'm in at SitePro, prime example, right? Oh, a few years ago, I was with Ryan Dawson after a meeting in Austin uh, while I was working at Corva and went downstairs at JW Marriott and had uh, a couple beers with the guys from, uh, at the time, Cottonwood Ventures, now Montrose Lane. And Ryan and Jeremy over there, great dudes. Uh, well, what ended up happening was some time goes by, uh, I leave Corva and went to work at Drill Formance. Well, so they call me during COVID and they said, hey, um, why'd you get out of tech? And I was like, well, I, I you know, some backstory there right. but you know basically I, I didn't and they said well do you want to go back into tech and I said yeah absolutely that's kind of my niche I mean I, you know and they said well look long story short you know we've seen what you can do and we'd love to have you involved in our portfolio and I was like <laughs> uh are you, are you serious and they said yeah would you mind if we shopped you around to our various uh CEOs and I was like uh, okay. Yeah, sure. And so that's how I met David Bateman at uh, SitePro. And, but a lot of that came from me focusing and building a brand of myself and, and kind of working into that. And I think that's an excellent point to kind of conclude this because we've been talking about it now for about an hour and 20. And I'd love to hear uh, like who's on. We got Brandon and Brandon and Trey's listening too. I'd love to kind of get their feedback on Clubhouse and what they thought about this experience. But I think that's a good point. But when you're talking about, I mean, and to me, and I may be wrong, and I'm sure there's a, a, a professional way to define this, but if, if people are sitting there and don't know, well, shit, I don't know how to get a brand, a brand this, I don't know how to do a personal. Look, a personal brand isn't a fake identity. A personal brand isn't a, f- a you on a, it's not your social online personality fake 
bullshit, whatever. What it is, uh, your a brand, how to build your brand is how do you communicate effectively who you are? And it's, and that's what it is. You know, people hear brand, it's like, it's scary. It's like, oh shit, I got to think about this, think about that. No, building a brand is pretty much effectively communicating who you are as a person. And uh, how do you do that uh, on these online uh, uh, platforms if you wish to do that? And that's honestly, you can reach out to Roy and kind of have a chat with him about that. You can reach out to me or, 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 or find someone that you kind of look at online and just kind of, and kind of respect and want to get to know them more and just con- connect with them and find out that's it. Find out, you know, ask, talk to them, try to get, try to use them as a soundboard. You know, that's one a of good the, way to kept, uh, network right there. One thing I would suggest is if you if you're looking for a starting point, Simon Sinek is an author that wrote a book called Start with Why. He's wrote several that I would recommend, but Start with Why will really help frame that mindset to get into, who, you know, what is my why? What am I doing? Uh, and and ultimately, he talks about a lot of brands in there. Apple, Southwest, right. some of these others that you know exactly what you're going to get when you do business with those people, and ultimately, that should be kind of one of the goals. I dig it. Well, Roy, I want you, I want to, I want to thank you for coming in and uh, having a chat uh, again on this uh, Monday morning, doing this uh, Clubhouse Live. I really appreciate it. And uh, for those that are, oh, we have someone, I guess that uh, raise, okay, uh, Brandon Riley just raised his hand on Clubhouse. Looking forward to connecting with him. But again, uh, everyone, this is uh, Roy Strawn, uh, the uh, executive sales guy at uh, SitePro. And uh, we are looking forward to, uh, if you want to reach out to him, you can find him on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, uh, any social media. Facebook, platform, Clubhouse. Facebook, Clubhouse, any Clubhouse, yeah. So uh, again, man, we appreciate you uh, coming in and uh, wish you the best. We'll let you stay in touch. Yeah, man.